Are you critically insane, have a lot of excess money, or even better, both? Then you can support this podcast by clicking on the ACAR support button. You can give as rarely and as little as you want, which, judging by the quality of this, I'm sure you're wanting to do. Welcome to a PhD student reads New Year's special 2020-2021. It's a look back of 2020, but it's being recorded in 2021. So let's say it's the best of both. So, well, first and foremost, Happy New Year to you all, to you, your loved ones, even the people you hate. Happy New Year to everybody. Now, this show is going to be a somewhat different to your normal fare. There's no book that I've read yet. So there's no plot synopses, no... Well, I suppose there's going to be a bit of a talk about art. But uh, that's because this is a ranking of the books I've read and covered in the show. And a couple of bonus awards to finish out. So because the show hasn't been going for an entire year yet, it's not quite a ranking of 12 books, you could say it's more of a top 10, because there are 10. But that means 2021 will be that year. So a year from now, we'll be sat here again, and I'll be covering the 12 books that I read in 2021. But there's more on 2021 later. Now, as any avid listener would know, a lot of this year was covered by the Snyder Capullo Batman run. So, a lot of this top ten is Batman. I mean, reading a series of ten volumes takes time, at least for me, especially when it's also one volume a month. And we didn't even start at volume one. Imagine if we did, it would be ten volumes of Batman, and that would be the end, wouldn't it? It would be which volume Batman... Did I like the most? Well, you're going to find out, because here are the rankings from worst to best. So, at number 10, Batman, Volume 6, Graveyard Shift of the Snyder Capullo Batman run. This is the first of the anthology volumes. There was two, 6 and 10. I wasn't a fan of either, particularly. So, I think there'll be no surprises where... Volume 10 will be, but number 6, it was fine. You know, there were things set up in this volume that were good for the future, for later volumes, specifically stuff about the Joker. There was some good art, some good... There was the story about the guy in the graveyard. That was enjoyable. But what really turned me off was the final issue Endgame. It was the an issue of end of Batman Endgame out of nowhere, no context. It ended on a cliffhanger. It's like, well, I have to go buy Batman Endgame now. Luckily, YouTube exists. The comic story and YouTube channel exists. Go watch that if you don't. Um, and I was able to just watch that video, and 
actually know what on earth was going on. Um, is that really? And it was it's the final issue of the volume, so we ended on a somewhat of a sour note. But at number nine, we have Batman <laughs> Volume Ten, Epilogue. Again, the other, again, uh, no surprise that it is the other anthology issue. I just didn't think it added anything to the, you know, the rest of the stories. Okay, you could say it's just some a collection of side tales, but why? Why put them in the one? Either put them, I don't know, just don't put them anywhere. Maybe that's a bit me. I suppose creative effort was put into creating them, but I don't know. I think for me it would have made more sense if maybe they were if volume nine was a bit longer and they just attached these issues to that. I don't know. It was wasn't. I guess okay. It is an epilogue, but it wasn't needed. I would prefer it if it was just a nine volume. Um, arc, or maybe an eight volume, take out six as well, or maybe even shorter than that, because at number eight is Batman volume five, Zero Year Dark City. This that was this was the first book we covered in the show way back when. I wasn't a big fan of this either. I thought it was fine. I don't know why we needed two whole volumes of just prequel, Batman prequel. I mean, yes, it was a new take on things, and it did tie in to, you know, Duke Thomas and how he became Signal, and it was constantly being referred to in the later volumes, but... I don't know. I, mean, I don't really know much, clearly. This ranking just pulled out of the top of my head. It was based off gut feelings rather than facts, I suppose. It was fine. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was just fine. There were cool moments. Batman on a motorbike with a burn arrow. Cool. But again, I didn't I didn't I didn't feel something for it. It was just there. At number seven, Batman <laughs> Volume Nine Bloom, the second part of the super heavy arc in which Jim Jim Gordon takes over the role of Batman in his bat-slash-rabbit mech suit. It's ranked at number seven primarily because I preferred Mr. Bloom when he was just a, ma a man in a suit. I prefer my Batman rogues to be somewhat normal. You know, I, I'm less fan of the more zany ones. You know, I prefer, you know, your guys... The sort of people that Daredevil <laughs> would commonly fight. Your boots on the ground, street level villains. Save the big, I don't know, city ending villains for Justice League or Superman, Batman or something. You know, Batman can still go toe to toe with these these foes, but I prefer my, my Batman villains to be more grounded in uh, quotation marks. I mean, they can still be odd, Dr. Death, that was, I enjoyed that. Um, but, I don't know. The fact that he became some sort of 
skyscraper-sized being with long fingers and long arms and long legs and... I, just, I don't think I'm going around in circles. I liked it more when he was just a drug dealer in a mask and a suit. And that's, that's my honest opinion. <laughs> more honest opinions coming up is number six. Hawkeye Volume 2 Little Hits, the first in this list of the Fraction Arja run on Hawkeye. There's three Hawkeye volumes in this list. My least favourite primarily because so Volume 1 was more... I guess we'll get to that when we get to Volume 1, but it was, you know, sort of episodic. Each issue was its own little short tale. And Volume 3 was focused on Kate Bishop and again was more episodic, so to speak. Um, volume 2 did that somewhat, but I think it was less successful. It was all somewhat tied together. There were good parts. I liked the uh, the issue about the girl, the women in Hawkeye's life, and how they all see Hawkeye, and how he affects their lives, mostly negatively, but negatively is still an effect um but yeah just my least favorite of the three not much to say that's why it's ranked somewhere in the middle but dead in the middle the median is that's not even the median that's poor maths um 5.5 is the median value anyway um is batman volume 8 super heavy now it would have been ranked a lot higher if it wasn't for one thing. Bruce Wayne. If we had gone the entire volume or the entire Super Heavy arc without having Bruce Wayne Batman in it, I think I would have liked it a lot more. Jim Gordon was not given his time to shine as his own Batman because Jim would meet with Bruce I mean, Italy, Bruce throws him off, but, you know, there's interaction between the old and the new. And then we keep... In issue one of the Super Heavy arc, Bruce Wayne is reintroduced, so we know he's not dead. I mean, it's comic books, of course he wasn't dead. But it just takes... Like, we just know, at least by the end of this, that Jim's not going to be Batman anymore. So we're just waiting. At least I felt I was just waiting for when Bruce would get his memories back. And become the Caped Crusader, rather than being like, "Oh, what's what's Jim going to do? How's he going to get?" Just like, oh, when's when's Batman going to show up? Anyway, at number four we have "I Am Alfonso Jones" by Tony Medina. This 2020 was an interesting year for multiple reasons. We've all stayed inside a lot more. It's been a pandemic going on but there's also been a lot of civil unrest for multiple reasons and one such reason was the let's say less positive behavior of certain members of certain police forces around the globe which then expanded into just certain members of society far beyond just the police and this was mostly directed towards the black community, but highlighted systemic racism in against other communities. But anyway, I Am Alfonso Jones is a story of a young black boy who is shot accidentally 
Well, he's shot purposely by a police officer for supposedly committing a crime in which he most certainly did not. Um, it was a powerful read, something I chose to read because I wanted to, you know, I'm wide. I'm quite privileged to be sat where I am with little worries. Um, you know, I don't need to... I'm just quite privileged. There's, there's no way. There's no way of saying that in in a, sort of a sugar-coaty way. I just am. Um, so, you know, to educate myself. And what surprised me the most is this book was written a while ago, but what happened in it, the uh, aftermath of this murder, um, was pretty much identical to what happened in 2020, which unfortunately highlights to me that things haven't really changed but um, I think one thing that could be said about 2020 is it certainly at least I felt it's brought people somewhat closer together we've all now have shared struggles um, and I feel like you know there's been a lot more People have been doing a lot more for charity, and you see lots of people working together that you wouldn't necessarily think are working together. So one could hope that whilst this has been a terrible, terrible year for many, many reasons, the future might be better. At least that's that's the outlook I'm going into for 2021. The reason I am Alfonso Jones is at number four was I wasn't a big fan of the art. It's black and white. Um, maybe I just need to read more black and white books, but I found it somewhat difficult to discern who was who from times. There are these scenes where there's all these people in a school, and whilst I knew who Alfonso Jones was, some of the side characters, just couldn't, I just couldn't keep them in the old uh, brain. So maybe that's, maybe, that's a, maybe that's a me problem. Terrible short-term memory. But onwards and upwards to number three, Hawkeye Volume 1, My Life as a Weapon, the first of the Fraction Arja Hawkeye volumes. Um, as I said before, it took a very episodic approach to its structure. Each issue focused on one issue, I suppose, um, and how Hawkeye, a very street-level Avenger, a man with no powers other than good accuracy with a bow and arrow, would go about deal with this he lives in a apartment building and you know he helps people that live there somewhat like a like a spider-man i suppose there's a very long pause there i'll probably keep that in dramatic effect as to what i say um somewhat, yeah, like a like a spider-man he's doing he's helping the people on the streets um with with a bow and arrow in hand less street level was Batman Volume 7, Endgame, which I put at number 2. It features the return of the all-new, all-improved Joker in the Sky Snyder Capullo Batman run. It's somewhat outlandish. It involves some other variant of... Uh, oh, what are they called? The Lazarus Pits. Goodness me. Terrible short-term memory. Um, yeah, somewhat slightly different variant of the Lazarus Pits and it's somewhat 
predictable as to how it plays out. It ends on Batman being killed, but I mean, as I said earlier, we all know that didn't last. I mean, I don't want to go over it again, but it could have lasted a bit longer. Five issues, maybe, without seeing Bruce Wayne again? Instead of 12, 22 pages? Hmm, really? I'm sure I'm not the only one that thought that. But if you're paying attention, that leaves one volume left, and that's Hawkeye Volume 3, L.A. Woman. And now I get it. I know why people love Kate Bishop so much. It was great. I liked the the whole thing is set in LA, obviously, and the the tone, as in colour tones of the book change to be more orange and, and sunny. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the topics covered that uh, Kate Bishop goes up against are less sunny. We've got murder, we've got um, mental health issues, we've got drugs, we've got dogs, we've got old people, we've got weddings, all so much for Kate Bishop. But by the end, we know that she's going to head back to New York City to help her old pal, Clint Barton, which will be Hawkeye Volume 4, which will be this month's volume, I hope. Anyway, unless something comes up, then it won't be. But it should be. But, as I said, if you want any more information on those ten books, good news for you. There's a whole episode dedicated to each one. And yet to listen to my voice and the varying quality this show has as it's taken shape, somewhat blossomed over the year. We'll get to witness that firsthand. But it's not the end. There are some bonus awards that aren't necessarily comic book based. In fact, they aren't comic book based. One of them tangentially is. But uh, you'll see what it is. So... Award number one, the best film I saw in 2020. Well, it wasn't a 2020 film, not by a long shot. It's arguably one of my favourite films ever. I watched it, and it still is. Aliens, from 1986, the uh, James Cameron sequel to the Ridley Scott Alien. Everyone's seen Aliens these days, I hope, and everyone should agree that it's great. I know there's one person who doesn't agree. They are wrong. The best video game I played this year, this is the one that is tangentially related to comic books, and is much like the film I saw, is not something from 2020, sort of. It's the Spider-Man 2018 remastered on PlayStation 5. I was lucky enough to get a PS5 on launch day in the UK. I didn't play it for a while because I had other, other games going on. I was replaying The Last of Us Part 2 for the umpteenth time to get digital trinkets that mean nothing except to me but now I'm, I'm glad I I guess got to experience it in the best possible way there are some interesting twists on the Spider-Man mythos some interesting suits some strange suits that they have included for your Spider-Man customization. Um yeah it was great easy trophies too and as someone that likes these digital trinkets, big fan of that. More easy trophies in big, high-profile games, please. Yes. 
And last, but by no means least, is the most PhD thing this show has ever done, the best scientific paper I read this year. And that was quantitative proteome analysis of temporary resolved phagosomes following uptake of key phagocytic receptors by Dill et al. published in 2015. And it wins this award for one reason, really, giving my own PhD a new sense of direction. So I found this paper on a PubMed search when Scotland first went into lockdown back in March, late February, March, whenever it was. Um, And it was at a time when my own PhD had stalled somewhat and it was in desperate need of a new direction. So enter Dill et al. and their study using latex beads and these latex beads had different PAMPs bound. For those who don't know, a PAMP or pathogen-associated molecular pattern is something on the surface of pathogens, your viruses, your bacteria, your fungi, your parasites, that tell the body that this is indeed a pathogen. And these PAMPs would bind to different receptors on the surface of macrophages, um, a white blood cell found throughout the body in various forms. And these white blood cells are somewhat of a jack-of-all-trades. They are mostly known for engulfing, but they aren't the best at engulfing, so to speak. So they do a bit of everything, just not the best. Jack-of-all-trades, master of none. So these PAMPs bind to receptors, PRRs, pattern recognition receptors, if you were interested. And the complex of receptor, ligand, and bead, in this case, or what would normally be your pathogen, would then be engulfed by the cell and placed inside a phagosome. Now, these phagosomes are where most pathogens are destroyed, allowing you to be fit and healthy. This study shows that there are quite substantial differences in the proteome of the phagosome, that's the proteins that are associated with it, depending on the receptor used for entry. So, how does that relate to me? I study Staph aureus, and this has the ability to actively enter cells by a multitude of different ways. The most well-described and well-understand method is a sandwich of three proteins, a fibronectin binding protein on the surface of the bacteria, fibronectin, which is an extracellular protein found floating in the the extracellular environment, the plasma of your body, and the integrin alpha-5 beta-1. Primarily it's the beta-1 part that is important. Integrins are involved in binding things in the extracellular environment, they're involved in cell travel. Arguably they're very important, and they're very important to staph because it allows it to actively enter the cell. Now, a phagosome should be an inhospitable environment. Bacteria, fungi, whatever, should not be able to survive in there. And staph, like many other, like your TBs, your tuberculosis, can adapt and survive to this environment. There are a lot of conflicting ideas as to how this occurs and a lot of the research is based on the bacteria itself rather than the cell in which it now resides. So I'm looking at just that. I'm going to be knocking at 
Oof, sorry. Some saliva in the mouth there. So I'm going to be knocking out genes for receptors that have been previously described, your beta-1s, your alpha-3-alpha-V-beta-3s. Uh, alpha These various receptors that are found on the surface of macrophages uh, that staff has been shown to use to get in. Um, I will see if forcing the bacteria down different paths by removing certain proteins um, will alter its internal survival. And if it does, I'll then go on to study the proteins associated with the phagosomes and see, hopefully, that they do differ, just as Dill et al. did back in 2015 and before, because it's quite an in-depth study, and I imagine it took them plenty of years to get it done. Um, and there you have it. There's some a top ten ranking of the books I read. I didn't go in them. Didn't go into them in loads of detail, primarily because I want you to go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't, and maybe you want to get them as a New Year's gift in the January sales. So then you can go back and listen to them. So whatever it is, you can go back and listen to the previous episodes of a PhD student reads. And then you can follow the show on Twitter at PhD Reads, capital P, capital R. Um, no capital D, because I was a failure when setting up the account. As I said in the last episode, the last proper episode of 2020, plans are afoot to make the show better. And uh, by the next show, these plans may have been put into action. I've got a meeting with another person that may join the show and that means there'll be two people which means more comic book chat less of me just nattering on into this microphone in front of me on the desk and it's hopefully all round better um thank you again to all of those of you who have listened those of you that have provided feedback um let's hope that 2021 brings us all bigger and better things. I'll see you then.